Sometimes the deadness that we feel and the coldness that we feel is due to our own personal neglect. I've learned to ask this question. How much time are you spending in God's Word? When you're not reading the bread of life, don't expect life in your Christianity. Well, that's an important question for all of us. How much time are we spending in God's Word? For the psalmist David, God's Word was everything to him. It provided comfort, wisdom, inspiration, and strength. We'll see how his love for God's Word provides a framework in which to examine our own love for Scripture. Stay with us. Welcome to Living a Legacy with Bible teacher and author Crawford Loritz. Crawford's ministry spans some 50 years. He has served as a pastor, conference speaker, and seminary professor. His books include Leadership as an Identity, Unshaken, and one titled Your Marriage Today and Tomorrow, Making Your Relationship Matter Now and for Generations to Come. That one co-authored by Crawford's wife, Karen. Crawford served for 15 years as senior pastor of Fellowship Bible Church in Roswell, Georgia, and the messages you hear on Living a Legacy come from his time at Fellowship. Crawford retired from church ministry and now heads the Christian Leadership Mentoring Program called Beyond Our Generation. He continues to travel the world, committed to the training of future Christian leaders. Well, let's join Crawford for the second part of his message, The Word of God. Our scriptures are Psalm 19 and 2 Timothy 3.16. And let's first look at Psalm 19. Here's Crawford Loritz on Living a Legacy. David extolling the virtues and the power of the Word of God. You know that's a familiar theme of his. He says, beginning at verse 7, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are aright, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping them there is great reward. I want to say a few things here. Verses 7 through 9, David talks about what the Bible does, what it does. You got to notice the verbs here. There's action here. He doesn't just extol the cerebral content of the scriptures. He's not just talking about mastering information, but he connects what the Bible is to what it should do in our lives. Now, he uses uh, four different words to describe the Bible. There's a little bit of difference, but I can't get into the difference today. I don't have time. He says the law in verse 7, the testimony in verse 7, precepts in verse 8, commandment in verse 8, all giving a little bit of different implication to the truth of the Word of God. Now, most of us have hobbies, things that we enjoy doing, right? And the reason why we, we love to do it is because we get something out of it. It does something for us. And the more we do it, the more we want to do it. Now, I can't help but think, as you read the language here in this section of the Word of God, that's what David is driving at. He's wanting you to want to do it. He's wanting you to want to do it. He's wanting you to want to do it. And so he's, he's kind of selling it to us. So he says, Here, here's, here's what it does to you. Number one, he says that the law of the Lord is perfect. It revives. It revives. I think he's talking about comatose followers of God. 
There are people who have plateaued in their Christianity. They've become spiritually comatose. You check the vitals, they still have a little bit of a pulse. The brain waves are still there. They're breathing, but they're not spiritually conscious. And I want to tell you something. Let me tell you something. When people come to me and say this to me, Crawford, I, I just, I don't know, I'm not, I'm not getting anything out of my walk and relationship with God. I'm just dry. Learn to ask a couple of things. Number one, sometimes God does step back from us because he wants us to persevere and to learn lessons in endurance without there being a whole lot of heart affirmation. That is true. But more often than not, you know what I've learned to ask? I've learned to ask this question because 95% of the time, this is the real issue. I've learned to ask this question. How much time are you spending in God's Word? How much time are you spending in His Word? When you're not reading the bread of life, don't expect life in your Christianity. I don't mean to sound utilitarian about it, but it's really that simple. So sometimes, the deadness that we feel and the coldness that we feel is due to our own personal neglect. And that's what David is saying here. This word, this word revives uh, and makes us spiritually alive. Brings vibrancy. Secondly, this, this word makes us wise. This is all God's action to us, through the Word. He acts when we read. He brings revival, not, not just intellectually read. When I say read, I mean reading here and here. I'm not separating content from a desire to respond. When there's this desire to respond to the content, He gives us life. Secondly, when there's a desire to respond to the content, what we're learning, He gives us wisdom. Contrary to what some think, wisdom is not the accumulation of knowledge. Wisdom has nothing to do with your IQ. Wisdom has nothing to do with the amount of information that you know. It is the idea of responding godly to what's in front of you. And notice how he postures this. He says, the testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The very juxtaposition of those terms guarantees a sense of confidence and certainty about your life. You hear me today. I, 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 I'm, not, I'm not PC. You know, I don't think it's cute to go around saying that you don't know. I don't think it's spiritual. That, you, know, we, you know, the end thing now is to say, you heard me say this a few weeks ago, the end thing now is to say how uncertain you are. Well, the humble thing is to say, no, I don't know a lot of stuff. I don't understand a lot of stuff in this book. To be sure, I'm not certain about a few things. But here, the psalmist says that when you, when you absorb the word, God gives you certainty. He makes sure your steps. You can raise your kids with confidence. You can discipline them with confidence. You can say yes to righteousness with confidence. You can say no to sin with confidence. Why? Because of the wisdom that comes from the Word. I love what C.S. Lewis says in his book, uh, Reflection on the Psalms. He's really commenting on Psalm 1, verse 2. His delight is in the law of the Lord. But I think it applies at this point. Listen to what Lewis says. 
Their delight in the law is a delight in having touched firmness. I love it. Uh, like, the, like the pedestrian's delight in feeling the hard road beneath his feet after a false shortcut has long entangled him in muddy fields. And I think much of our Christianity can be, can be characterized as muddy fields. Slippery, uncertain steps. God didn't want you to be slippery and uncertain about everything. You should have wisdom. And that's what the Word produces in our lives. Makes us wise. Brings us joy, verse 8, because it resonates with our longings. Listen, listen, verse 8 says, The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Notice the relationship between what is right what causes me to rejoice? I think the whole of theology of man is given to us in a snapshot in this line. We, we were created in the image of God because of sin. We were torn away from him. Division took place. Then when we're reconnected with God in his image, truth causes joy. It resonates deeply. Have you, have, you, have you ever read the word, you've been confused about something, and you needed insight, and God gave it to you, you go, oh, that is so right. And the profound joy. I, I want you to read the Bible, and there'll be a smile on your face and tears of joy trickling down your cheeks because you keep saying, this is so right. Yes, yes. Fourthly, the Word releases in us enlightenment. He says in verse 8, the latter part, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightens the eyes. It's, it's the idea that this is what we're looking for. Mm, it's clear. It is so clear. Have you ever been confused about what you wanted to do? And God shows you in the Word what He what you ought to do, and it becomes, oh, man. Scales from off your eyes. This is the path. Ancient words. Crawford, go here. This is it. The Word of God also not only releases God's action in our lives through these four responses to His truth, but secondly, the Word of God produces a godly attitude. And I, I, I just want to comment on this quickly. I happen to believe, and you can argue with me about this, I wouldn't go to the bank on this, but I believe that verse 9 is really a conclusion of how we ought to think and feel, the attitude we ought to have relative to the things he said in verses 7 and 8. He says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. He says, this, this is what the, the law should do, the testimony should do, the precepts ought to do, the commandment ought to do. Uh, it should give you an attitude of fear. And when I say fear here, it is awe and reverence. Mind you, these are the very words of God. When I spend time listening to what God is saying and absorbing what he's saying to me, what should strike me is what struck Moses as he went into the tent of meeting and met with God. Sense of awe. 
Secondly, an attitude that embraces righteousness. Well, that's what it does. And then the psalmist, as a good salesman, closes the deal. Verses 10 and 11, he says, this is why we desire it. It's into his closing sales pitch here. He says, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Psalmist says that we, we really desire we really desire the word for two things. One, because it is precious. You know, the older I get, the more corny and sentimental I'm getting. When you have lived through some battles in your life, and I got a lot of road left and probably a lot more battles, uh, and you've seen how the word of God has sustained you and kept you through the death of a child, the struggles dealing with the sister that's dying, the confusion about the future, to having to confront dear, close, personal friends about stuff and the relationship being put on the line. I could go on and on and you see God come through and God come through and God come through. Sometimes I just pick up my Bible and kiss it. Not that I'm worshiping the pages, but God, this is you. And I guarantee you, you learn how to apply God's word to your life, you will want it more than you want anything in this world. I dare you to start it. You start absorbing it and applying it in your heart and life, you'll say what David said. It is precious. But I also want to say to us, and strikes me as I read the lives of great leaders, whether it's a Wilberforce or John Wesley, Martin Luther, the Reformers, other people throughout church history. I am sobered by the realization that, as I said earlier, many of them have laid their lives down and given it all up because of the precious truth of the Word of God. I've got a friend of mine right now. I won't mention his name. Uh, very, very prominent pastor of one of the leading Episcopal churches in the country. He's one of the leaders in the separation of that denomination. And uh, as I heard him speak in a dialogue with him, he is paying a dear price because the denomination is coming after him and the rest of them. And the reason why they're separating from the denomination, he said, Crawford, it's really not simply over the ordination of a gay bishop a few years ago. He said, yeah, that's wrong. But the deeper issue is not that. The deeper issue is the apostasy and the flagrant discounting of the word of God and the trampling of God's truth. So he said, rather than going off, and he said this to a group of us, you know, yeah, our church is very large. Sure, we can let them take the property, and we've got enough people in this church with a lot of resources. We can start all over and build a big place. That's not the issue. But we're fighting for this property, not because of the property, but because of a principle. This has been a gospel station where this church has been built for several hundred years. And we're not going to give it up to the forces of darkness and untruth. And it's costing those dudes $100,000 a month in legal fees. 
if you knew my friends, you would know that I have been, I say this humbly, a model of going across various groups. I've got friends in various camps. You'd be surprised of who I hang out with, okay? I am no fighting fundy in many respects. But you need to know something, that there's some things that's worth dying for and worth fighting for. And I will fight for the truth of this word. We believe it. And I want to say to you that there's some things in your own heart and life that's worth fighting for. During the Cultural Revolution in China, Christianity was banned. Not only that, heavily persecuted. Some of that's being lifted in recent years. You can, they're publishing some Bibles there. Some of that's also smoke and mirrors too. But uh, Christianity was banned. I heard this remarkable story that has been confirmed. Did you realize that back in the 70s and 80s and early 90s, a lot of Chinese, prior to the Cultural Revolution in the 50s, when, when, when it became, kind of became communist, a lot of them, a lot of these older folks were believers, followers of Jesus. And it was a custom for Chinese Christians to be buried with their Bibles. Do you know what many members of the underground church did in the 70s and 80s and 90s? They didn't have Bibles. They would go and open the casket of loved ones to get the Word of God. Some of us won't open it once a week. It's God's Word. It protects us by warning us, verse 11 says, it's all that we need. I want to encourage you by way of application to take the next 21 days and I want to encourage you every single day for the next 21 days to read the scriptures. I got a friend of mine that has on his laptop computer, no scripture, no email. <laughs> Actually, that ain't a bad thing. I may not be reading my email then, huh? But whatever it takes to create the habit, do it. Secondly, read for depth as well as read for distance. Don't put yourself under some higher to have to read whole volumes of stuff. Sometimes you read a whole lot, and sometimes, like I was this past week, I got stuck in Psalm 25 with just a couple of verses that were so meaningful to me. So read for depth, and at times, read for distance too. Number three, capture what you read. Capture what you read. Uh, you've heard me talk about journaling. Uh, don't ever read your Bible without a pen in your hand. Capture it. Because even when you don't feel like you're getting something out of it, if you write something down, more often than not, you'll come back to it. One of the things I do, I read through the Bible through the years. I don't always do it all in one year. Sometimes I start getting reading for depth and you know, the clock goes on, that's all right. But typically what I will do after I do that and handle the Bible for a while, I will give one of my Bibles to one of my kids or somebody close to me, and then I'll start all over again. But whatever you want to do, Keep a pen handy. And, uh, and then fourthly, let me tell you where to start. Give you a couple of suggestions. We're all at different places here. And uh, I'm all in favor of devotional reading by having little devotionals and this kind of thing. But let me encourage you to do something. Do that, but don't make that a substitute for reading the Bible. 
And so let me tell you, depending on where you are, I would suggest the place to start would be read the Gospel of John. A little bit a day. Just read through that. Then once you get through that, I'll, take you, I'll, I'll, push you real, I'll push you a little bit. Go back to Matthew and read all the way through the New Testament. Suppose I don't understand it. Hey, look, I don't understand it. But that's okay. It, 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 it's progressive. Then I would say go back and uh, maybe take a proverb a day. There are 31 proverbs. You can take a proverb a day and read a proverb a day. And then I would say, okay, once you do that, bite the bullet. Discipline yourself, even if it doesn't make sense. Start from Genesis and plow your way all the way through. One of the great reasons for going all the way through the Bible is that you'd be surprised the framework that it gives you, familiarity and how it blesses you. This is my benediction today. My passion for all of us, including myself, is that we will be living, vibrant, contagious people for Jesus Christ. But it's not based on pure enthusiasm and ideas. But it's based on the words of C.S. Lewis on solid pavement, substance, truth that is not cerebral, but that is life-changing that we hold on to it. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ and you're here today, that experience can be yours today. He wants to give you life. He wants to give you resources. He wants to give you hope. And all you need to do is say, yes, Lord Jesus, come into my life, and he'll do that for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your book. Thank you for the very words of God to our hearts. Forgive us for neglecting it. Forgive us for taking it for granted. Forgive us for being bored with it. Help us, O oh God. May we walk in the power of your presence and in your spirit. Touch others through us, we pray in Jesus' name. challenging message from Crawford Loretz here on Living a Legacy. Let's become more intentional in reading God's Word. Well, perhaps you joined us midway in this message. You can listen to it in its entirety on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org, or select it on a number of streaming platforms. Thanks for taking the time to write to us. Here's an email from David. He says, My life has been transformed by the Bible teaching sermons provided by Crawford. I can't thank him or your team enough. I had spent my life as a believer on the fence, so to speak, and had never had the point driven home of being a truly dedicated believer and role model for my child. It's been a struggle being a single parent, but God has led me to become a member of my church and is helping me learn how to be a great father just as God is to us all. Thank you so much. Well, David, praise God for his intervention in your life, and thanks for letting us know. Now, if you are a regular listener to Living a Legacy, please get in touch. Tell us how God is using the program in your life. Write to legacyatmoody.edu, legacyatmoody.edu. Well, next week, we begin to focus on the birth of Christ. Hope you'll return. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for being part of our study today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.